Hello, and welcome to episode 6 of Dipsomania, the podcast about booze and cocktail culture. I'm Jake, and in this episode, Lance and I mix up two different cocktails featuring an American version of Ameripicon. Also, Lance explains why we should all go to Iceland. Let's get started. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. You were right. The, um... The new mix is better than mm-hmm. the one I was using previously. Yeah, it's a nice drink. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. For those listening at home, we're having the Brooklyn. <laughs> Probably should mention that up front. <laughs> uh, yeah. You'll, well, you you tell them about the Brooklyn. This was your this is your call. Yeah. Well, the the reason we're having the Brooklyn is because we were gifted a bottle of. Golden Moon's Amer de Picon, uh, which is Golden Moon is a distillery in Golden, Colorado, and they make this version of Amer Picon, which is an Italian Amaro that is not imported into the U.S., so you can't get it. So they made their own. And it's not imported for no reason. It's just not imported. It doesn't have, like, absinthe overtones where it's going to poison you and you're going to have hallucinations overnight. I don't think so. I just think whoever makes it doesn't care about Americans. (laughs) And given Trump's surgeons, why would they? (laughs) So, Golden Moon makes a pecan, and we were gifted a bottle of that by my lovely mother-in-law so that we can have Brooklyn's and talk about pecan. And she is lovely. I've never met her, but I'm sure that she's she's quite lovely. She she gave us free booze. She can't be all that. No, true. So the Brooklyn is. I'm assuming it's a play on a Manhattan. Oh well, um, it it. I don't know if it's actually like a direct lineage from Manhattan, but yeah, it's it's a whiskey drink that you can definitely compare to a Manhattan. Um, with the addition of the maraschino. And all of the recipes I saw specified using rye. That's interesting. The one that I have in my little notebook, which is probably cribbed from oh, Spirits and what, what is my favorite cocktail book called, Lance? Jake's Book of Delicious Cocktail Drinks. Uh, Lost Spirits and Forgotten Cocktails. There you go. So I keep a little moleskin address book for recipes I want to keep. And under the B tab, I have a Brooklyn and I'm pretty sure I stole that recipe from lost spirits and forgotten cocktails. And that's the one that has the two tables, two teaspoons instead of a quarter ounce Mm -hmm. for the maraschino and the picot. So, so again, for our friends at home, we, we did have a con, so we, we don't necessarily go into these things blind or I guess tasteless. So we 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 had a, a slight discussion about the Brooklyn before we started recording, and I mentioned that I had made one earlier this week, my first attempt following a recipe I found online that was two ounces of rye, one ounce of dry vermouth. I used Dolan, mm-hmm. and then a quarter ounce each of maraschino. And by the way, does it bother you that I say maraschino instead of maraschino? No. Okay, good. Because I think it's a, I, it's a little bit affected, but I insist that I'm going to say maraschino. 
a uh, quarter ounce of maraschino and a quarter ounce of the Americon. And I mentioned to Jake uh, that to me it was it was sort of um, it was nice, but it didn't seem to have much character. Which I assumed with all of those ingredients melding together at some point on my tongue, there'd be more going on. So Jake mentioned that I should reduce the vermouth and pump up the other two ingredients. And, in fact, it does make a better drink. Yeah. So kudos to you. Kudos to the author of, and this is a correction, Vintage Spirits and Forgotten Cocktails. Which is, I'm assuming, a recent tea book, recent-ish? Uh, it came out in 2009. So, yeah. All right. Um, Available at your local Amazon store. And it's fantastic. And it's a spiral-bound book, so it lays flat. On your counter while you're trying that to That is handy. Spirits. That's thoughtful. Yeah. As so. you're trying to juggle it in your hand and keep it open and get it all sticky. Very much recommend that. And he's got nice blurbs about the history of the drinks, which I probably should have read in this case, just so I'd have something to say. <laughs> no, that, that, it's much more fun when we just dive in. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like it's like calling somebody up and going, Hey, do you want to go for a drink? And the other goes, Oh yeah, let's do that. And but you don't say can you research the cocktail before we get to the bar? Because I wanted to discuss that with you. But anyway, my point is that in my little Moleskine address book, I actually say rye or bourbon, just as mm-hmm. I, just as I do in my Manhattan recipe. Um, so I made mine today with a Dickel Eight Year Tennessee whiskey, mm. which and is kind of nice. I yeah. Like it. I, I went with the Rittenhouse again, um, mostly because it's the only rye I currently have in the house, which mm-hmm. is, I am embarrassed to say, because I like rye, but I also drink to excess, so I don't <laughs> go through well, them fairly quickly. And you're calling bottles right now, right? I am. Uh, this is a problem when you are into the cocktail scene, because there's always a new ingredient and you want to try it sight unseen, I guess not sight unseen, because you've seen it, taste, taste unseen? Mm-hmm. Uh, to see, you know, how does it compare? I mean, even when you've already got all of the other bottles, I, I was, I mentioned to you earlier, I was doing a taste test, uh, and, and to, to your credit, probably not the best or most accurate taste test of some orange flavored things. <laughs> and I've got like five or six of them. Uh, I think people, everyone's going to have triple sec probably, but I've got, I've got the, uh, the Creole uh, shrub right. from Clement. Clement. Uh, I've got the dry curacao. I've got the uh, Cointreau. I've now got the Americon. I've got literally three different kinds of orange bitters. Yeah. Um, I think that was it. And I, I was just trying to see, like, flavor profile-wise, what, where where does the Americon fit in there? And it is it is the least orangey of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think you're right in in that it is uh, it goes into the the same family as the chinar and and the the kind of things that are bitter but don't necessarily taste like I mean chinar doesn't taste like an artichoke to me right. when I drink it yeah and yeah. I think americon is is it's it's it definitely has a an orange uh, aroma mm-hmm. but to me it tasted more nutty than it did taste like citrus yeah which is actually kind of fun. And goes really well with, with bourbon. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, the Brooklyn is, according to Wikipedia, one of five cocktails named for the boroughs of New York, along with the Bronx, the Manhattan, the Queens, and the Staten Island Ferry, which is, <laughs> which is not a borough. 
It's a boat. It is not, <laughs> as far as I know. But we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. The other, the other thing to be aware of with the Brooklyn is it is it is high proof uh, because when I had it earlier this week, I had not had dinner yet. Right? It was like my oh man, it just when I got up, I was like, oh, this is a drink. Well, especially with the Rittenhouse. That's <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Is, is, is an I'm, I'm, not a tiny, I'm not a tiny man, though. I mean, like, I should be able to withstand these things. <laughs> and, and just I'd, So just warn our friends at home, if, if you are going to settle in for Brooklyn, if it sounds like something up your alley, have some food with it. Have yeah. something to eat with it. Which I did make sure to do. So hopefully I won't fall on my face this episode. But we're only one drink in, and we we and and it's uh, we've literally just started. We're still in the introductory phase, I think. Yeah. And look, I'm like more than halfway through this damn thing. Yeah, me too. It's delightful. It is tasty. I I like the maraschino. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's a flavor that I really kind of latch onto, and it's like, ooh, this is yummy. <laughs> it is. It is a nice, and I like that uh, because I like a Manhattan is my is a. An easy fallback. Everybody likes Manhattan. It's easy to make. Easy to remember what's in it. You got that little cherry in there. Everybody likes. But this is this is nice, and it surprises people because I, I presented it to my friend Terrence when I made them, and I made him guess like what's in what is this? What's in this? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was circling around, circling around, but he never he couldn't guess that, or I guess he couldn't envision putting dry vermouth. With whiskey, that's what I was just going to say. Like the idea of dry vermouth in a whiskey drink is enough to surprise people. Mm-hmm. It works surprisingly well because the other ingredients bring what the uh, sweet vermouth would otherwise provide. Totally. Uh, you you ran into some distributors, right, at a bar, and distributors being the people who give the bar liquor, provide cool. liquor for the bar. Yeah, and to retail stores as well. So is it, are they representatives? Yeah. Okay. So, so it's not it's not a salesman, or it is, I guess. Well, they kind of are. Yeah. Um, uh, I ran. I actually ran into one accidentally. I didn't run into him, but we were at uh, we being our friends, whose name escaped me at this moment. But <laughs> uh, sorry, we were at a bar. Very, very close <laughs> personal friends. Yes. <laughs> And uh, having a delightful... Oh, I know. No, it's gone again. No, it's back. James and Dinah and Joe. There you go. Okay. Um, and I'd, na- I'd named the bar as well, but nope. Okay. And But we were, we were, we were at the bar uh, having delightful repast. And a gentleman did come in to talk to the bartender. And we kind of listened to his patter. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I couldn't tell from the bartender's perspective whether she was interested or polite. Right. But it it felt like that doesn't seem like a fun job, at least from that one experience that I saw. Um, I assume that they just go from bar to bar and they're trying to convince someone to stock a certain ingredient. Sure. And... The reason that they're there is that they aren't stocking it currently. Otherwise, they wouldn't need to sell it. Right. And and how do you how do you? Well, I'm I suck at sales anyway. But the idea of going in there and trying to convince somebody this vermouth's different from all of the other vermouths that you're having mm-hmm. because and, and like literally, wouldn't you just taste it to figure out whether or not you wanted to carry it? Yeah. Like this? No, this sucks. 
I mean, that's how I decide what to use. Like, maybe I read about something in, like, Imbibe Magazine or something like that, but once I know about it, I find it and I try it. And if it tastes good, I use it. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as... Like I could see the I could see the advantage and the value if it's an ingredient that's not well known, mm-hmm. but in general I don't think that's the case. I think it's probably something that you could just run over to Bevmo and pick up a case of it. Yeah. And the and and the and the the fact is that the bar that you're visiting doesn't carry it for one reason or another, and your job is to convince them that they're wrong. Well, and if it's a new product, like my friend Ray uh, does cocktail punk bitters which I think I sent you some. Yes. He goes, you know, shop to shop and bar to bar just because people don't know about his new bitters. Mm -hmm. And he gets people to try them and either they like them and they stock them or they don't. And does he come prepared with recipes involving them? Certainly. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, so one assumes one being me in this case that, so they're, so if I'm a bitters maker, how how do you? I mean, there are so many now. How do you differentiate yourself from the other bitters makers? How do you? So so you walk in and you got I've got celery bitters that are better than the other three celery bitters because mine's made of celery <laughs> or some. I don't. So I think that would be beyond challenging. It it seems. And even if you have a recipe saying this includes our delicious bitters, couldn't you try it with an? I mean, I don't know. Am I am I, am I being simplistic about this? It just seems like it's it's. It, I mean, is there money being passed? In <laughs> How are you convincing somebody my bitters are better than their bitters because our 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 moonshine is better than their moonshine? Yeah, um, it's so, barrel aged. So, like with. Ray's bitters in particular, his are just sort of a little bit more nuanced and subtle than analogous bitters of the same type. So say his orange bitters versus Reagan's orange or something like that. A little softer, subtle, floral, whatever. Mm. Um, And I think bartenders in particular sort of appreciate that. But for him to get placed in a bar doesn't really move product. Like that's a that's a that's a bottle that's going to last a month in a bar. Yeah, and you're not generally probably the average consumer isn't asking about the bitters. Well, or even caring. What happens in bars these days is they line the bitter bottles up, labels facing the customer, and that is advertising. So if you get cocktail nerds like us that go to bars and mm-hmm. see, oh, which bitters did you use in this? This was really good. That makes sense because we are the we are the buyers. Mm-hmm. There are people who are amazed at the amount of bitters that I have, and I that you know I can't possibly use all these bitters, which is true, I admit. <laughs> but it it is it is something it it's a I I'm refraining from using the word passion. I don't have a passion for bitters, right? But I do I do find other uses. I find various uses for them outside the cocktail. I put them in my coffee. You put them in water. You put them in sparkling water. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, the, the the situation with um, the two fellows from House Alpens mm-hmm. that I ran into at the Bitter Bar. Yes, in, yes, yes. At the Bitter Bar in Col- Boulder, Colorado. 
wasn't so much that they were, you know, trying to sell anything. They they just wanted to demonstrate a particular stretch of their product line. Okay. So they had like little meats and cheeses and like people could walk up to these two high top tables that they had occupied and like do a tasting and snack and talk to the guys and all that stuff. And I was already sort of talking with these guys on Twitter back and forth and just accidentally ran into them because I was going out for a drink and they were there. That's interesting. I've never run into um, that situation where they are set up for somebody. Although, now that I've said it, uh, I, I was at a bar where they had a martini table set up and it occurs to me that that was more of a vermouth thing. And mm-hmm. I think I think it was a Dolan thing um, to to convince people to add, you know, well, this makes sense. Add more vermouth to your martini because it it'll, it'll improve it. Yes, as it's, opposed to being scared of it because it sucks. Which pro tip? Please add more vermouth to your martini, so we can sell more vermouth to our martini drinkers. And it's just better. <laughs> it is. I agree. I do. I often do the fifty-fifty because I do. I mean, the vermouths now, as we, I think we've mentioned copious times, yes. are much better and don't be afraid of them. Although I will also admit, and I insert another, although it's it is still difficult in certain places around our United States to get the good vermouths. You can only get like the Martini and Rossi, and not the good Martini and Rossi. You get the like the stinky, sour, pickly vermouths. You can't get the Dolan or the Nuali or, or even the Vaya, which is made here. Hello. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have really good luck here in Colorado. We have some. It's mostly the blue states. You know, it's the blue law states. So it's it's the Carolinas. Uh-huh. It's around in the middle where they're far, far from big bodies of water. Um, and they can't import them either, um, which, which just seems well, I don't know if it's because there's not a big market, so the stores there aren't going to bring them in because people are satisfied with what they've got, mm-hmm. uned- uneducated about what their uh, opportun- what the opportunities are and what the um, advantages of a good vermouth is. Like literally sipping vermouth on the rocks on, right. a, on a hot day is delightful. Absolutely. If it doesn't suck. why? So, so th- I'm going to say that the reason why there are still sucky vermouths is because they cost like literally $4 a bottle and they sell a lot of it. Yeah. Because and, everybody knows they have to have vermouth even if they <laughs> Even if it's horrible. And even if they like don't use it. They just know they have to have it. Like if they're going to make martinis at home. Lance's I was look. trying to portion my drink out so that we would last at least a half hour. I almost made it. Almost, almost. So I'm done with I'm done with drink number one. It's it it kind of it actually grows on me. Although near the end here, I'm not getting the same uh, balance of flavors. I'm getting mostly whiskey, which I don't. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. you're right. But I'm, I I wonder if I didn't does does a does a drink settle weirdly? <laughs> it's not, no. It's just your tongue. Yeah. Or my tongue in this case. Well, I mean, because like there's that dry sweetness of the maraschino or maraschino. And, um, <laughs> you are going to pick on me for that, aren't you? No. Yes. Uh, but And then there's the bitterness from the pecan. So I, th- <clears throat> I think your tongue definitely gets used to those two flavors mm-hmm. over time. And plus, 
as the drink warms up a bit, the profile changes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back a little bit. You said that they had snacks along with the presentation of the what did what kind of snacks did they have out? It, it was like uh, sliced hard salami and some cheeses and stuff like that, some like manchego or something, um, and pickles. Yeah, that those that's to me is curious. I mean, I've had those things certainly with wine. But having it with a cocktail seems like it would interfere with the drink. Well, so they weren't tasting cocktails. Oh, they, just the bitters. They were tasting their, like, bitter aperitifs and amare and stuff. So, okay. So I, I think I can run down almost the complete list looking at their uh, brochure here. They had Sailor's aperitif. They had the Zuka aperitif. Mm. And then they had... The Capoletti, which is sort of a Campari next of kin. Haven't had that one. Um, it's worth checking out. It's a lot more affordable than Campari. And if you like it, it's a good way to go. Mm. Um, I don't know if they had Bonal or not in their lineup, but then they definitely had Cardamaro. And they had all these lined up from like sweeter to most bitter. Yeah. And the most bitter was. Elisir Novasalis. Say that again. Elisir Novasalis. <laughs> I just wanted you to say it again. I've never, again, not familiar with that. Okay. So it, you, and you like bitters, so. I do like bitters. Novasalis blows your tongue out of your mouth. It's crazy. Did they have a recommended, where, where does it go? What do you do with it? Uh, well, I mean, as far as I know, the Italians just drink it straight. <laughs> well, oh, okay. So it, it's not necessarily a mixer. It's just, it's, and it's, it, when you say it blows your tongue out of your mouth, just super bitter. Have you ever had a salad with dandelion? I have. And yeah, that's not something I would normally think of to put in a drink. It's just so strong, so strongly bitter. It just, dries your mouth out. It's so bitter. It's amazing. And of course, bar professionals get really into stuff like this and they like yeah. to challenge each other and like they do shots of Campari and they do shots of whatever. And Novosalis is one of those things that people joke about. Just like, let's do shots of Novosalis. Wow. Abuse ourselves. So what I'm going to, I'm going to tap your, tap your know-it-all brain. Cause mine, as we all know, is a sieve. The the German bitters that come in the little bottles that are wrapped in paper? Underberg. Okay. So here's something that disappointed me and may not disappoint you. I uh, was out and with uh, workmates, and I saw behind the bar that they had the Underberg. And so I ordered one because I like them. Yeah. And one of my workmates is from Germany. He says no one in Germany drinks that shit. Really? Literally, those were his words, yeah. Nobody in Germany drinks that shit. So just putting that out there. If you, if you think that's like the authentic, you go to uh, here in San Francisco, there's Soup and Kuka. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another place uh, over on South Van Ness, whose name escapes me at the moment, but I'm sure our friends in San Francisco will know of which I speak. Another German, super great, actually, German restaurant. They both offer uh, Unterberg. <laughs> uh, as a uh, not aperitif. What's the opposite? 
after dinner. Digestive. Digestive. Um, But apparently the Germans are pulling one, putting one over (laughs) on us, pulling our leg. They don't drink it. They're shipping it all over here. I think Underberg is awesome, especially on ice cream. Oh, really? I like vanilla. Yes, or just vanilla. I have not good. tried that. Do it. Okay, maybe <laughs> maybe later today. Actually, for sure. Okay, I bought a I bought a literal shit ton of it from Amazon because I also like it, and then I discovered the Amazon like it's it's like it's like a brick of it you can get delivered to your house. You can it's, buy it from Amazon. You can buy it from Amazon. Because, yes. because it's like medicinal or something? It's not that high I can't alcohol? answer that question, but it was like it was like the uh, um you know, the distributor's portion. It's not like a the box <laughs> four. It was it's it's huge. I'm well it's like I had to buy a hundred CO two canisters from Amazon because it is a bit like that. <laughs> that you was... can buy it in, in smaller bits, but you know, it's, it only it's like makes sense in, buying a hundred. Buying in bulk makes sense, right? And I do enjoy it. And now I can put it on ice cream, which means I'm going to enjoy it even even more. And you know, fuck Germany, whatever. So I may have misspoken, but the flavor is definitely that of dandelion, like precisely to me. Like, can you spell it for me, Novus Novusalus? N O V A S A L U S. It combines in a six month process. The plants from the surrounding high Alps with a dry marsala, so it's a wine-based tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and a unique tree sap of is- Sicily. <laughs> what? So, tree sap? Like literal tree sap? So, so tree sap, I think, is the bittering agent, not dandelion leaves, but um, maybe they have giant dandelion trees in Sicily. I don't know. Uh, so my Google search turns up a, a page uh, that uh, a gentleman by the name of Keith Allison runs, uh, thealcoholprofessor.com. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. alcoholprofessor.com. He mentions the Novosalis, and I just want to read this because it's, it's great. Uh, you should try it, but you should try it last. And that was wise, shockingly bitter, astoundingly dry, Something that makes you think for Nut Bronca is a walk in the park. It was terrible. It was intriguing. <laughs> it was challenging. It was delicious. It reminded me of my first go-round with Lafroig, not because they taste similar, but because they are personal game changers, something that throws down against any notion I had of what it was to be palatable. <laughs> so... Don't you want to try it now? <laughs> I, t- I kind of do because I can't imagine. This is this is what's intriguing to me about the whole <clears throat> cocktail scene is you, you – and we've talked about this before. You run into people who cannot imagine enjoying something that other people love. Right. And it goes – it's, it's either as simple as gin, which some people abhor and cannot taste. They don't even want it near them. And those people and are then bad are, people. And then there's us, right, <laughs> who keep a dozen gins available at any time because we like them all. Um, so, yes, the idea that there is something terrible but awesome at the same time mm-hmm. makes me want to try it. No, I'm, I'm sure my face like, – I wish they had a camera on my face when I tasted that one because going down the line, it was tasting things that I had at least had before – or was familiar with enough to know what to expect. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever actually run into sailors 
um, or Sallers or however you yeah. say that. Have you? So did you buy a bottle? Did you run out and buy a bottle of Novosalis? Of Novosalis? Yeah. No, I did not. Are you gonna? Uh, no, because I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what to do with it at all. Yeah, but you said you could sip it. You could put it on a rock, have it on a nice day. I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> or even on ice cream. We've discussed this. Put it on ice cream. Hey, maybe. Um, but anyway, so the way they did it was really good because, like, it started with. Uh, the Sallers and the Cardamara, which are both very easy drinking and, you know, very nice, mm-hmm. Al- almost sweet. And um, same with Capoletti, you know, it's it's like a slightly sweeter Campari. Um, and then moving to like Zucca, uh, which is... I'm not sure what it's based on, what flavor base is there, but... Oh, it's a rhubarb type of thing. Um, have you... Uh, this is kind of on the subject, but it skirts it. Have you have you tried the the bitter test to see how much you you taste bitter? No. Have you... So, uh, so my friend Dinah, who I've mentioned multiple times, and someday we will get her on, on, on our broadcast... We tried. Came back, came back from Tales of the Cocktail, and she had these little uh, pieces of paper that were soaked with a chemical that you place on your tongue. And it, and some people can taste it, and some people cannot taste it. And it depends. And and it goes. You know, it's not like can or can't. It, it it's in levels. But it's basically testing whether you're you're attuned to bitter. Mm-hmm. And well, it I mean, turns out, so I am. Okay, and she is not, which explains why she always eats the peel out of her cocktail. What? <laughs> yes, she loves eating peels. She she'll eat other people's peels. That's that's crazy <clears throat> because she doesn't she doesn't taste the same thing that I taste or probably that you taste, judging by your response. Um, so I she gave me a, a little container of these, and and I sometimes take them to gatherings and because people will say things insane things like, Oh, I don't like Negronis. And then if you give them this little piece no, of paper, no. I, well, I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just like devil's advocate here. And if you give them this little piece of paper and you put it on their tongue, they will make the face something like you just made because it, it is such a, um, I'm going to say disturbing taste to them on their tongue. It's not something they want to put in their mouth. It's not a taste that they enjoy where other people can taste it, but it, but there's something intriguing and attractive about it. So they want to taste more of that thing. So bitter, I think more than anything else, more than sour or sweet uh-huh. is a, a unique and individual experience, which will probably color how you feel about cocktails in general because it is such a prevalent taste this is blowing my mind because dinah's book which we've recommended before Mm -hmm. art of the shim uh features all kinds of amari and vermouths and she loves bitter but i think she doesn't taste what you and i taste because i definitely that's what's blowing my mind i know right so what is she tasting her experience of these cocktails. She loves it. She loves it. But I'm wondering if it's because she's getting like the citrus oils or she's getting whatever the other the other flavors that surround that, you know, 
weird coppery bitterness. Wow. And co- coppery is the perfect uh, sort of descriptor for Nova Salis because it is that like sucking on a penny, just bitter. I know, right? And it's intriguing and it's attractive, but it ha- but really, if you think about it, why would you do that? Because uh, yeah. given all of the other delicious flavors you can have, I want to suck a penny. Because the human brain. And with is that, I need another drink. Nonsensical. Uh, did you? By the way, did you put a, a cherry in yours? I do have a cherry in mine. Okay, is that called for? Because I didn't see that. Uh, is, that is that because you want to treat it like a Manhattan or? It's, it's it's called for in the Vintage Spirits Forgotten Cocktails recipe. Mm. Well, I'm going to add one to mine then because I've got those delightful Luxardo cherries. And just real quick before we go, mm. um, because Picon isn't imported to the U.S., lots of people recommend alternatives. But um, you can you can get it. Well, now there's from one there's go, one company Golden Moon. In Who Colorado, makes their seven own. bottles of it. So hurry up and get <laughs> it. It's probably available online somewhere. Um, anyway, for alternatives, Wondrich recommends uh, Chacharo, which is C I O C I A R O. That doesn't sound like it's any easier to get, but all right. No, it it you you see that around. Um, Bitterman's makes an Amer Nouvelle, um, which I've never seen in a store, but. Bitterman's makes it, so it's wherever you can find Bitterman stuff. Okay. Um, Which other, is generally widely available. Other people recommend uh, Tarani Amer. Oh, okay. I, that that sounds good. I that, like their stuff. That, that's one that you can find around pretty easily. And then um, you can do a DIY picone, starting with Ramazzotti, and then adding orange tincture and bitter orange peels and stuff. <laughs> Uh, but for those who just want to buy it, I do see that Astra Wines in New York, which ships across the country, does have it for about 50 bucks a bottle or a case of six for 293 which saves you like a dollar a bottle. Is that, <laughs> is that the Golden Moon? It is. Golden Moon Amerdite Picon Liqueur. Yeah. I don't know why they add the Dite. It's Italian. Dite. It's cute. That's why. It's fun to say. It, it was invented in 1837 by Gaetan so. It That's, in fact, what Astra Wines is telling me as well. So I'm assuming that they just copied this off of the Golden Moon website. And the the other primary thing to do with Picon is put it into a light, like, lager-style beer. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the balance is? Like an ounce or? Um, I would probably play with it, but I would expect either an ounce or two ounces in like an eight ounce beer or something like that. Uh, and then there are other cocktails. Uh, there, there's something called a Statler and Waldorf, which <laughs> appeals to, appeals to us because we, uh-huh. we, we are the Statler and Waldorf of the, of the booze culture. Um, there's Brooklyn, there's the director. And all of these are either. So Statler and Waldorf is cognac, Benedictine, maraschino, gunpowder, rum, Whoa. Orange pecone with an orange peel. Uh, the director is bourbon, sweet vermouth, Amer pecone, and ginger brandy. Huh. Ginger brandy. Is, is that like Canton or something else? No, I don't think so. I I don't know. 
Do you put ginger in brandy and make something new just for this specific? Putting ginger in alcohol is dangerous because it gets more and more gingery over time. Well, the, the horrors of, De, I'm going to say this wrong, De Keeper? De Kuiper? De Keeper? How do you say it? I try not to say it. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, make a, they make a ginger flavored, and I am making big air quotes here, <laughs> ginger flavored brandy in case for that. Oh, boy. Does not sound like something I want to put in my mouth because I don't, I, you know. It, oh, and here's another one, though, which is only $13. Uh, Joaquin's ginger okay. brandy. Uh, um, ginger, again, but it's ginger-flavored brandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I bet you could just take brandy and stick ginger in it. For like two seconds. And yeah. Fine. Um, there's a Brunswick, Cognac Dry Vermouth at Maripicone, and Benedictine. And then there's one called Nirvana, which is rye, oh. rye, Americone, maraschino, and Benedictine with an orange. There's a lot peel. of Benedictine here. What's so going on with Benedictine? There, there's tons of maraschino and there's tons of Benedictine when Americone is involved. So all of the all of these are practically the same drink. It's just which kind of whiskey, be it cognac, rye, or bourbon, and what do you sort of flavor it? What do you sweeten it with? And that's either Benedictine or Maraschino or both. Uh, here's an Americone highball, which is, I don't understand this recipe, though. One liquor glass of Americone. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. One liqueur glass of Americone, three is... dashes of grenadine, and a lump of ice. Who has dashes of grenadine? Fill a medium-sized glass with soda water. Add a twist of lemon. Uh, I don't understand. I'm going to say a glass is two ounces. Well, I have no idea. I, I, I think they're talking about like the little aperitivo glasses. So it's probably a shot glass. You know? Okay. Which And a shot is two ounces, right? Yeah. Or an okay. ounce and a half. Okay. <clears throat> uh, the sanctuary cocktail. Which is a quarter ounce Cointreau, quarter ounce of Picon, and a half an ounce of Dubonnet. That actually sounds pretty good. Um, well, we can we can um, we can explore more of the Picon with our second cocktail here. We don't have to stick with the Brooklyn. We can each pick one Ooh, um, and explore. I don't know. I think I'm going to stay with the Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch here. The Pecan and Grenadine cocktail. Again, one liquor glass of Pecan. Where are you getting these recipes? They, this is on a site called SavoyStomp.com. Are these like Jerry Thomas recipes? Because Might be. Savoy cocktail. Um, so they're saying... Uh, back in the day, they measured everything by wine glasses and other kind of glasses. They're, they're estimating that one liqueur glass is one and a half ounces. Okay. Um, so that's one and a half ounces of Americon and a half or three quarter ounce of grenadine. That seems like a lot of grenadine. It does seem like a lot of grenadine. Uh, the Creole cocktail, which is one ounce of rye, uh, half ounce of, of, of there are, sorry, one ounce of Carpano, two thirds of a teaspoon of Benedictine and two thirds of a teaspoon, or probably two dashes, uh, of Americone. So that's in the family with the Vucare. It it is. Okay. Um, and one more before we before we take our break. 
this doesn't appear to have a recipe, though, even though I just put everything on pause. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the the Amer Beer, B-I-E-R-E, mm-hmm. number six. Uh, <laughs> number six? Number six. They tried five times and didn't work, but number six apparently is the keeper. Um, and they're using Tarani Amer. Okay. Which I have not seen. Yeah, that's one of the recommended substitutions, actually. That is that is imported to the U.S. And they're saying that tastes like orange aftershave. <laughs> Sounds take great. As, take that as you wish. Uh, and then, uh, oh, so method, pour a beer into a mason jar, pour in a half a shot of the Tarani Amer, or in this case, since we have it now, Amer Picon. Uh, and that is the number six. That's the Amer beer number six. How, so that's how much of the Amer? Uh, half a shot. So, like so what's three that? quarter ounce? Yeah, that doesn't seem like very much. Uh, they said, "Yeah, I did make this, and I did pour it down the sink." <laughs> so maybe, maybe not. Uh, all right, you're going to stick with the Brooklyn. What was the last one you mentioned to me? I'm sorry. It was called the Nirvana. Oh, yeah, you need to make the Nirvana for sure. All right, I'm going to make a Nirvana. I'm, I'm going to make sure you have this recipe I'm looking at. All right. The one I have is two ounces rye, one ounce one ounce American. Yeah, exactly. A quarter ounce Maraschino and a quarter ounce Benedictine with I, an orange twist. I might make that too. <laughs> See? All right, we'll be right back. You ready? Yep. I like this. I agree. This is really. Did you did you do the peel? I I, uh, I have a little chunk of Satsuma peel. <laughs> it is mostly for the scent. It's not really adding you know much mm-hmm. to the profile, but it. It, yeah, it really makes a nice cocktail. Yeah, that just a little bit of Benedictine goes so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can really taste it. It's like uh, quan, not, uh, chartreuse. Right, yeah. So again, you can substitute the Americone for some other things, but mm-hmm. I think in this case, to me, the bitterness comes through. <laughs> for whatever reason in my head, it comes. I want to say cardboard. I don't know why that is what comes to mind. I don't know. I don't chew a lot of cardboard, but... It's earthy. It's a dry, yeah, earthy... Um, again, it, it approaches nuttiness, but it's not like the sweet sort of thing you associate with nut kind of liqueurs. Well, especially with the Benedictine in there, it sort of steers you towards a nutty mm-hmm. perception. So for the folks at home, the Nirvana cocktail is two ounces of rye. I still use my Dickel Tennessee whiskey because... Bizarrely, that's the only whiskey I have available. <laughs> it is the holidays. One ounce of the Amer Picon or the Amer Boudreau is the homemade stuff that you start with Ramazzotti and fuck with it. <laughs> Quarter ounce of both Benedictine and Maraschino, and then garnish with a uh, orange twist or a little chunk of Satsuma peel. <laughs> what have you? Mm-hmm. You could probably do grapefruit as well if you're a grapefruit fan, or um, probably not lemon. I would think. No, you got to be careful with grapefruit too because that's very distinctive. It is, but I 
I I think if you use the peel again, you're getting the the, the hint of it, and not it's not going to overwhelm you. Sure. But also, yes, they too lately do tend to use grapefruit like cucumber as a scent in like natural cleaning things. Yep. So you need to maybe avoid that if you can. You don't want to. You don't want to be reminded of cleaning fluid generally. No, this I like. I, I like having the pecan a little bit more mm-hmm. forward. Yeah, you're right. The Benedictine really comes forward. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but no, absolutely. Just circling back, my friends at House Alpens, they are distributors for uh, the Dolan brands of vermouth, Cokey Torino and Cokey Americano. Bonal and beer and all these other things that I love. And they have a really nice little marketing portfolio brochure that is very educational. And I wish I had read it before we tried to talk about vermouth a few episodes ago. <laughs> That's all right. We can, you know, it, it's all it's all good. So it's great because they break it down by categories. So vermouth, uh, the word... German word, Wermut, means wormwood. So vermouth is a wormwood-focused fortified wine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Americano, as in Koki Americano, mm-hmm. is a gentian-focused fortified oh. wine. Well, why? Do you know why that is, why it's called Americano then? I will get to that. <laughs> okay. Actually, we'll skip ahead because it's, it's amazing. I was wondering about that because I, I don't, you know... I didn't think it was because it's from America. Totally. No, it, it's, it's got nothing to do with Americans, it turns out. So the Italian word amaricante means bitter, as in bitterness has been added to it. Oh, that's interesting. So Americano is both a mixed drink and a coffee drink in Italy. Yes. And it's because they're both bitter drinks. Huh. I did not ever make that. Assumption, even. Mm-hmm. I always, I literally always thought it was because they consider us bitter, or it had something to do with America and the New World, and uh, I don't know. I'm making shit up. No, I mean there are apocryphal stories like that. Uh, I think the espresso americano, you know, it's watered down espresso, so it's for the American GIs that were in Italy during World War II. Couldn't drink the espresso because it was too bitter, so they watered it down. I don't know if that's a true story. <laughs> it sounds good. So that's the Americana. It's gentian focused. So um, then there's the quinquinas or quinatos. Uh, those are quinine. Then there's vino amaro, and those are just wine based amari with other bittering agents that don't fall into the other categories. Okay. So, uh, like I said, Novosalis is a wine-based Amaro, but it's got tree sap to make it bitter. So it doesn't fall into any of the other things. Then, yeah, in Vermouth, you have various regions and provenance. Vermouth di Torino is obviously an Italian sweet red Vermouth. And uh, I think it's primarily Moscato wine based. Oh, okay. Which I like. Mm-hmm. Moscato. Uh, then there's Vermouth de Chambray, uh, which is your Dolan brand in the case of House Alpens. Uh, and then Vermouth de Reyes, which is the Spanish 
Um, their brand is Miro, mm-hmm. uh, which I haven't seen in stores, but I'm sure it's around. And those are usually less sweet than Italian varieties, smooth and wormwood forward, according to the brochure. I don't know that I would recognize wormwood forward as a taste. Wormwood is the primary flavoring agent in uh, absinthe. Well, but to me, absinthe is very um, black licorice. Anise. 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 There you go. I once... Here's here's me being stupid. Before I knew... So I don't like black licorice generally. And before I knew that anise was black licorice, you know there's anisette toast? Yes. And so I bought like a... I I thought, ooh, that seems gourmet-y. And kind of fun. It's like, and, it, and it's toast, which I like. Mm-hmm. So I bought a package of anisette toast, and man, that stuff is horrible. The only, the only, the only time I like uh, uh, absinthe is as a rinse. Right. I, I don't really enjoy it, but it has a lovely aroma. It, it adds something. Do you like a sazerac? I do like a Sazerac, and is it is it a um, a corpse survivor that also uses a absinthe rinse? Mm-hmm. So I like I like those. Uh, my friend Terrence, who is, I I think we can safely say a bit of a goth. Um, <laughs> before absinthe was uh, again legal here in the U.S., he would order it from France and Italy, um, and try to convince me that absinthe was an awesome drink to have. And and we did the whole we did the. Ceremony, you know, he 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 provided the glasses and the absinthe spoon with the slots on it, and we put the and there's literally absinthe sugar, right? There's like a it's a it's a larger cube, and it's apparently more compact or something. Did he, so that did the, he burn it? No, 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 no. He's adamant about this. You do not, you do not burn it. You do not. Yes, thank you. You, you pour the absinthe through the sugar, and then you drip the ice water as well so that it, the sugar melts into it and you get the louche. It's a lovely ceremonial thing. It's beautiful to watch. I don't like it. I love it. I love it. You like the taste and, and I, is, there, is, is there one that you like like more than others? Cause I've had the lucid and I've had the St. George and I've had a couple of other U S brands. And then, like I said, he, he bought me a French version Mm-hmm. Um, which was, uh, which had a lot of, um, uh, God, nettle in it. Okay. Is that you're a good, making a face? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can't, it's, it, I can't imagine. Well, you know, so, have, so you know what stinging nettles do to your hands? Yeah. It kind of does that to your tongue. Really? Yeah. So it's, it's like it, sucking on a nine volt battery? It's, a, yes. <laughs> it is a really interesting experience. Again, it's one of those things like, why would I want to do this? But having done it, I can see why. Like, it, it's an, it's well, an have, interesting thing to happen in your mouth. Have you had those little Chinese pink peppercorns that do that? No. It's, it's like eating electricity. It's so bizarre. <laughs> see, we're weird. Are we weird or is everybody else weird? I don't know. There are people it's like everybody us. Else. There no, are, it's everybody there are, else. There are people like us. Yeah, we're we're not weird. But if they could remove the anise from absinthe, which they won't, no. then I would enjoy it more. It's just not a that is not a flavor that I like. Yeah, well, and that's that's a thing. 
Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's one of those flavors that either people like or they don't. Um, I don't think it quite goes to the like cilantro and Parmesan, like genetically uh, yeah. thing, but it's similar. Like it's, it's binary. People don't. And I like, I like cilantro and I like Parmesan. It's not that I, it's not that I hate anise, but of all the flavors in the beautiful rainbow of flavors that we're ex- exposed to, mm-hmm. I would put it near the bottom of my list of things that I want to ingest. And because of that, you probably haven't really explored the world of licorice. But, um, like, the Scandinavian countries have a totally different idea of what licorice is. Yeah. And it is funky and salty and, like, really bitter. And it falls into the same category as, like, Novosalis. Like, I think this is fun to try. It's not something I want to have around all the time. I think I may have experienced that a little bit when I went to Iceland. Uh-huh. And I don't know. When I go to foreign countries, I, I, I want to find something weird that the foreign country, like people here, and you, you have to figure, they don't put it, like, sure, they send us the jokey things. Like the Germans, we have found out now, send us their bitters that they don't drink. But if you're in the country and you go, you like go to a gas station, right? And there's the snacks. There's the snack, and, and you have to figure... The locals are going to stop here, and they want something. They're driving wherever they're driving, and they see this, and they're like, "Ooh, I want that!" So we were in Iceland, and there was, and I, I, I can't even explain why I bought this, other than it seemed like the weirdest thing there. Given that I don't generally like black licorice, it was chocolate covered salted licorice. Okay, so I. <laughs> And so I put it in my mouth. It, it it was one of the worst things I've ever put in my mouth. <laughs> it, it did not hit on any. It, so the licorice ruined the chocolate for me. And I like like salted caramel and chocolate is a good thing. Yeah. For whatever reason, salted chocolate licorice is horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. For me. Uh, well, I. No yeah. judgment. No, I, I, I can't imagine because, like, the the really funky, like I said, Scandinavian salted licorice is just mm-hmm. so bizarre on its own. I can't imagine adding chocolate to that. Oh, oh. Was I it, like, it was dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Yes, yes, it dark, dark chocolate. So bitter yeah. on bitter and then... Yes. Uh, yeah. And, you, and you're driving down the road and you stick it in your mouth. And you're like, I need to spit this out immediately. <laughs> I have to stop the car, pull over, and get this out of my mouth or spit it on. I need – and it's a rental car, so you figure you can just spit it out anyway because you're going to clean it. It was it was horrible. And I, I, I think I actually left the package in the car for like the next people. Like, ooh, here's a treat for you. Mm-hmm. If you are also renting a car here in Iceland and you want a little taste of something that's horrible, but apparently that the Icelanders like – then here it is. I think I. I think I. I have to look it up now. I think I bought it because it had a funny name, um, and I. I'm gonna guess it's probably not online, but I'm gonna look it up anyway. <laughs> so there is, of course, a site of shop Icelandic everything Icelandic in one store. Everything. I really want to go to Iceland. You should. Everyone actually should. It. It is a beautiful country. 
the people are so nice. Um, everybody, if this is, if this is, if this is a quandary, everybody speaks English pretty much. Right. Um, it's clean. It's beautiful. Um, if you're an outdoorsy person, I would highly recommend going. Lots of cool hikes and lot. And, and the, other thing, one of the main, one of the main surprises for me was there is, obviously there is private land, but there's not a concept of private land. Right. So you can hike anywhere. If you come across a fence, if you go along the fence long enough, you'll find literally like a little ladder to get you over the fence. The fence is there to keep their animals in. They mm-hmm. don't want the cows to roam. Mm-hmm. But they don't mind people coming on onto their land because there is a uh, unspoken uh, agreement that's probably spoken as you visit, but you don't litter. You don't make a mess. You don't break things. It's right. not yours to do that, right? Right. So you can you can wander anywhere you want to. The other thing is they treat you like an adult. So if you want to walk right up to that cliff and look over the edge, feel free to do it. There's not going to be a chain there keeping you from doing it. There's not going to be a sign saying, oh, it's a cliff. Maybe don't do this. Right. They figure, oh, you're an adult. You have common sense. Either you're going to fall off because <laughs> you're an idiot. Yeah. Or you're going to, you know, you're going to sit on the edge and look at the ocean and it's going to be lovely. It's the most common sense land I've ever been to. Also, surprisingly to me, we went um, near the end of October, nearly November. And the reason we went at that point is because if you go in the summer, it's high tourist season and you're contending with all of these buses filled with old British people who are roaming around looking at the geysers and generally making a nuisance of themselves. Nothing against the British, but they're awful. And if you go... Later than late October, November, December, they close uh, the the road over the middle of, of the island. Right. And there's a ring road around the island. So if you go late October, tourist season is over. The road over the middle of the island is still available if, if you do want to explore, like just drive somewhere and explore. And um, the weather is balmy. It was like sweater weather. Oh, really? It's, it's called Iceland, but really green. Oh, no, no. Well, Greenland I, is Iceland. Yeah, Greenland is it, fucking cold. It's a Viking Iceland trip. Is beautiful. It's it a was Viking beautiful. trip. Yeah. Um, so I recommend it to everybody. One of my favorite things I've read. So I I got sort of obsessed with Iceland because of their music. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they have a really interesting music scene, and that's kind of one of my bailiwicks is sort of independent music and stuff like that. Yep. So I I got really into Icelandic music, which made me get really into sort of. Iceland in general. So I really want to go there. It makes me sad that apparently the booze is like the most expensive thing to buy when you go out in Iceland, from what I hear. I don't remember, but that doesn't surprise me. So you got sufficient booze at least. Well, the other thing, <laughs> so the other thing about Iceland is it, it is an island. So and and it's very volcanic. There's not a lot of like farmland there. So a lot of things do need to be imported. So food and, and drink well, in general is expensive. And, and and it was just a few years ago, a volcano on Iceland shut down all travel to Europe. Yes. <laughs> and we got to, we, we visited it. So another cool thing, you have to go to Iceland. I, I, you, you need to go. If you especially have any idea about going, you should just go. Yeah. But. Well, I can fly direct from Denver. 
you should do it. You should do it tomorrow. But so if you go again, if you go low season, you don't go high season. Yeah. Um, and don't go now because we're in December and it's it's it is going to be cold and frosty. But uh, we did the helicopter tour, which it, it you know it could can be viewed as sort of a touristy thing to do, right? You take the view, you go around. The awesome thing was begin again because it was low season. Um, he didn't have anybody else booked in the helicopter. So he basically said, well, where do you want to go? I have no one else <laughs> to fly around. What, what do you want to see? And, and we said, well, we don't, you know, this is our first time here. We don't know what we want to see. Mm-hmm. He goes, all right. I, I have a friend who owns a farm that was buried under the, under the last lava flow. We can, <laughs> we can go there. I mean, I'm in a helicopter, right? It yeah. doesn't matter. There's no roads. We don't need roads. So we flew there and we landed and it, it was it's crazy. Like lava had flowed right and you could you could see where it stopped. Yeah. Right? It it come up to a certain point and it's all lovely and green and fertile here and then over there it's dead and black and and all he did he landed us on the lip of the volcano that had exploded, which was still smoldering. And we just kinda again it's Iceland's like, yeah, walk up, whatever you want. Walk right up to the edge, yeah. Do it. So we were like looking in the caldera and it was smoking and and he was showing us where it had exploded and where the flow went. And it it was crazy and beautiful. And also, if you've never seen the Northern Lights. Which I'm obsessed with the Northern Lights. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Of course, the hilarious thing is you're sitting in a restaurant and you look outside and the Northern Lights have started and you're getting all excited, right? You're like, oh, my God. No one in Iceland gives a shit. They see it all the time. Yeah. It's like, oh, the sky's blue, but now it's green. Yeah, it's like, oh, the moon's out. Oh, the and sky we, is green. We, yes. We ran outside. We were, like, laying on our backs and watching these formations happening across the sky. And, yeah, go to Iceland. Go yeah. everybody, everybody, in our, everybody listening to this, all 40 people, go to Iceland. We'll all go together. That would be quite a trip. Yeah. Wouldn't it be? We'll bring our own liquor if it's that. <laughs> or maybe we'll get a group discount. Um, so I just sent you the link. Uh, one of my one of the favorite things I've read about Iceland is how they park their babies in strollers out on the sidewalk. <laughs> like if they're going to a cafe, mm-hmm. the, the babies just hang out on the sidewalk in the strollers. Nobody kidnaps the baby. No, the no. Ba- the baby doesn't freeze to death because it's, it's all swaddled and all that stuff. It is, it is a remarkable society, and it, and, it, and it highlights how much we uh, don't respect our communities, mm-hmm. how we're, we're shitting all over them, we're, we're littering, because either we expect someone else to take care of it or um, it... it I don't know what it is, but they genuinely care, right? Which like Reykjavik is beautiful. It's pristine. Yeah. And everywhere you went, the people were very friendly. They were nice. There was, it was, it's, it's like, it's like the perfect society of white people. I mean, it is, it's super white. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, 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 and it's also very insular. Um, another interesting thing was, so there are Icelandic horses, you cannot they don't export them they don't they're they're trying to keep the breed pure like, yes and they're beautiful horses they have these long manes and they're they're just gorgeous 
Uh, and you can walk right up to them, and they're very friendly. And like everybody else on Iceland, the horses are friendly as well. You can um, walk right up to anyone in Iceland. You, you can walk right up to anybody and pet them. They don't seem to care. It's it's great. Um, but yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not well traveled. I've, I've been to European countries. I really haven't haven't seen Asia that much as, as much as I should probably. Um, but Iceland was remarkable because it just seemed like they had their shit together. Like and and. We went right after the financial mess that they went through, right? They Oh yeah, that was a big they, thing. They declared bankruptcy. They had they so we were kind of telling ourselves, well, they want our American dollars. They're all treating us nicely because they want our American dollars. But we found out subsequently, no, they this is how Iceland operates. Mm-hmm. Like they're really proud of their heritage. They also oh this is also cool. They believe in elves. Yes. They live they, in the rocks. Yes, it's awesome. It's so good. Yes, everything about Iceland. We need to have more Iceland drinks. I don't know what they they probably make vodka there. I'm I'm thinking. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think they. I think we had an Icelandic beer while we were there, but it seemed um, in memory it seemed to be very sort of uh, characterless. It's you know it's like a. It's, a it's like a lager or something. Yeah. 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 Um. But they grow a lot of corn. Um, uh, they should it, make bourbon. If memory serves, there were, there were a lot of like grain things. But so yeah, if you if you have any like desire to go to Iceland, just go. And I, I have strong desire to go to Iceland. What, so. what we did was um, we contacted American Express because we hadn't been there. We really didn't know where to go or what to do. Mm-hmm. They were a little bit helpful, but not much. My advice is. Uh, you're, you're going to have to begin and end in Reykjavik because that's yep. where the airport is. Yeah. Um, and it's a good a good place to start and end because it is a city. In other words, there's a variety of foods to to have. There's culture there. Um, it's a, also a good walking city. You can just wander around and see a lot of really cool things. And then plan to stop at places around the island that take you about six hours to get to. Okay. You can literally drive all the way around the island in 48 hours. Oh. Um, it's not that big. But you want to go um, – there is a peninsula in the northwest that you want to veer out to because there's a, this weird tunnel that you go to and then you just drive out there and there's really nothing out there. Uh, we were almost blown off the road because the winds were so fierce. But we got way out to the to the edge, to the to the – end of the peninsula and there was this gorgeous weird hotel owned by a gay couple uh who one of them had inherited from his parents and they'd been there forever and it had like heated floors so that when you got up you, you weren't freezing to death but the but the ocean had carved all of these interesting and intricate formations out of the fjords, out of the cliffs. And mm-hmm. again, you can walk anywhere you want to. Right. And, and literally get lost. <laughs> like, where am I? But just like wandering around and bring your camera because it was the untouched, gorgeous. This is what nature can do if you just leave it the fuck alone. Right. Don't do anything. Don't build anything. Just let the ocean wear things away and the wind blow things away. And it was. Well, and it's it's an island in the middle of the ocean, so it's extreme weather. Always. Yes. Yes. So, long story short, go to Iceland. <laughs> anyway, 
Back to liquor. Um, well, I mean, we're kind of done with our time. We are. We're, we, we're, we're actually beyond our time. Um, so to recap. What, uh, what, have, what have we learned? Americone is now re-available from one source here in the United States. It's made by, uh, um, I'm sorry, I mentioned the manufacturer again. Who's it in Colorado, correct? Golden Moon is in Golden, Colorado. Um, they have a speakeasy bar at their distillery that is a lot of fun and highly recommended. And again, available through Astro Wines and I'm sure other distributors if, mm-hmm. you, if you want. And also, I looked up the Nirvana. Do you know who invented the Nirvana? I don't. Jamie Boudreau. He's the one that formulated the do-it-yourself. Yes. So, yeah, it makes sense. And that's why it's probably delicious as well. Yes. Mr. Drogue knows what he's doing. Yes. Um, um, there, there's a bar in Boulder, Colorado called Oak at 14th. It's a restaurant, but they have a fantastic bar program. Um, they make their own Ameripicone as well. That is good. I would share someone here in San Francisco who makes their own Ameripicone because you know someone does. <laughs> I don't know who that is offhand. Maybe yeah. they'll let us know. I think I think the Bitter Bar, which I mentioned earlier also makes their own or used to make their own i don't know if they still do but again no one needs to anymore because now you can get it and what else did we learn um benedictine is awesome benedictine is very but a helpful. little goes a long way a little uh, just a dabble do you just a d- <laughs> yes the nirvana by the way i think wins over the brooklyn absolutely i i, I so i'm so happy we actually made those because that's a find i'm gonna write that in my book mm-hmm. i liked it so much uh, House Alpens, they carry a lot of really important stuff to me. They carry Smith & Cross rum, mm-hmm. um, as well as the Scarlet Ibis rum. But even better, they have uh, they distribute the Cronin Swedish Punch. Have you ever had that? I have not had that. It's, 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 it's a national drink in Sweden, and it's a component of more than 50 classic cocktails. What? Yeah. Which is actually true. Uh, I'm looking it up. It has notes of toffee, smoke, molasses, and leather. I well, maybe. <laughs> like I've had this stuff. I and? I never would have said any of those words. Um, maybe I'm looking Cronin Swedish Punch. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's what they're that's what they're trying to tell me. It's made with rums from the West Indies and the East Indies. Okay. I made a rum Negroni out of uh, Smith & Cross, Cronin Swedish Punch, and Campari, probably. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. It was so good. Did you, did you name it something, or was this somebody else's recipe? No, I just made it. Why? So the naming is important, right? I haven't made it since, so it's not like a drink well, that I make. But you wrote it down in your moleskin? No. Jake. If I write it in the moleskin, was... it has a name. But you just said it was delicious and amazing. It was so good. Well, then, so, anywho's, we'll leave it there. Did I talk to you about Whitechapel? Whitechapel, no. So it's the new, the new bar that Martin Cates started. Uh, Martin Cates opened Smuggler's Cove. Uh-huh, yeah. So Whitechapel is a gin bar. Oh. 
maybe you did say something. About that it. is, uh, it's based on basically the London Underground. So it's kind of a theme bar. It's also a gin, like they spent $2 million making the interior, which is gorgeous. Um, but so far, <clears throat> it's a tour, it feels like a tourist bar. Really? Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we went opening weekend, um, and maybe they're, you know, still figuring things out. The menu is huge. They have over 200 gins. Um, yeah. And, and including some gins that, um, they bought that were, that are, uh, found. Uh, so they're, they're old, right? They're, they're. Oh, so sort of the Lost Barrel. Yes. Whiskeys, which. Yes. Really- Apparently, we're supposed to circle back on those and talk about. And they that. and they and they have a gin um, uh, sommelier um, who's there on Tuesday. I think Tuesdays. <laughs> um, you should find out if they have the Golden Moon gin and try it. I bet they do. They they uh, they apparently have all of the gins. Um, and it seems like. And so they'll do gin flights and 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 things. Um, and I'm more interested. In, interested in that than the the fact that they spent two million dollars making this bar right um but i i'm not i'm 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 unhappy with it in that uh i i want a bar that i can wander into and sit at the bar and have a conversation and enjoy a good drink I don't necessarily want to be entertained by the bar. So I'm 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 on the fence. Dinah loves it, but I wonder if it's because it it's something that she would want to make. Right. Yeah, I I I need to go back when it's not a thing, when it's not a scene, which opening weekend obviously it's a scene, to try to get a sense of is it a good bar? As right. opposed to being a good tourist destination. Yeah. Well, thanks, Lance. You're welcome. Thank you, Jake. Next time. See you next week. I am a lineman for the county.